Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. Hello, Attacktioneers. That's right. I'm back. And I'm also here with Isaac, as always. What's up, Isaac? Morning. Good morning. Have a cup of coffee and talk some ProCrest. Of course. Got my coffee right here. Perfect. <sighs> Sound little, effect. Little ASMR for the listeners at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's our other cast. <laughs> yeah, the secret one. You got to hit the secret uh, Patreon tier to get that one. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, yeah, today we're going to be talking about our recent experience in Portland for ProQuest week two. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to do a quick like plug for our uh, Patreon. So my wife has been working on this new art for a playmat just all by herself and inspired by like the potions and the Everfest vibe and that sort of thing. Um, and it's starting to look really cool and we'll, we'll send out a preview soon, but, um, there will be limited qualities of this like new alchemy shop playmat. Quantities, not limited quality. Oh, right. Sorry. Great quality. <laughs> Great quality, limited <laughs> quantity. <laughs> um, and it'll be exclusive to the top tier in the Patreon. So if that's something you are interested in and uh, that's tickled your fancy, then uh, consider supporting us. There will be, you know, they're like gold foils, basically, before gold foils were uh, too crazy. Yeah, and also more rare, so therefore more valuable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, seriously, though, it does look really, really good. I'm very excited to have and play with this playmat. She's doing a great job. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I'm very proud of her. And she just, I didn't even ask her, really. She just kind of just went and is doing it. So it's pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. Um. So for this episode, we actually hadn't planned this episode at this time on this topic, but uh, we had such a good ProQuest weekend and find that the meta and um, how it's evolving in the fab world right now is uh, actually like pretty interesting to discuss. So we just wanted to, um, to talk about last weekend and our experience as well as um, you know what's happening in general across the board. Yep, 100% nail on the head. Um, but before we get to that, um, we don't really have any news this week, but we do have some shout-outs. Isaac, how about you start it off? Um, all right. First of all, I wanted to shout-out Fabrica. They're a content creator for Flesh and Blood, and they've been at it quite a long time, making good stuff. But right now they're caught up in the uh, conflict over in Ukraine and... I hope they're safe and sound and uh, this all gets put in the past sooner than later and they can get mm -hmm. back to, you know, playing cards and enjoying life. So to everybody caught up over there, including Fabrica, um, yeah, I really feel for you. 
Totally. Our hearts go out to our Ukrainian brothers and sisters for sure. Um, <clears throat> great shout out. I would uh, like to shout out our amazing team members. Um, so, woo! <laughs> yeah, so out of our team this weekend, uh, Yuki won the ProQuest that we were at in Portland, um, which we will get to, but, uh, you know, watching her get to play in, in person against uh, the general population, you're like, aha, this is why you're a national champ, you know? You just get so used to it when you're testing with Yuki, um, and then you just see her just like calmly, methodically, like a machine. Dismantle. Dismantle the whole enemies. tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and then another big shout out to Zane, uh, nicest guy in flesh and blood. Uh, he's so psyched, and uh, I'm really just super proud of him that he he won his pro quest over at Kingslayer Games. So uh, great job, Zane. Super proud of you. Totally. Zane is also an excellent player, so we're yeah. pretty psyched to uh, have him get something under his belt. It's very, very I, cool. He was saying uh, this morning that the secret to his success is that he's just stolen Zach Bunn's whole uh, look, and uh, <laughs> that has really helped propel him into uh, the winner's circle. So Look good, feel good, play good, you yeah, know? Totally. Our team motto, <laughs> one, one of them. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, and if, if you haven't seen the insane resemblance, uh, just go check out Fab or uh, Team Covenant's Discord. It's uh, kind of uncanny. <laughs> uh, another big shout out to a uh, new friend, uh, Archer. Uh, we got to hang out with him Friday, the day before the... Um, ProQuest at Discs and Dice and Homie was just like really psyched super nice um, yeah just really cool dude he's uh, into Selvage Denim which is cool we didn't talk about that but game recognized game you know what I mean <laughs> nice I'll add a Pankaj to that hopefully oh, I'm yeah. saying your name right but um, also a really nice dude. I played him on camera actually. And just like, uh, it was great going up to Portland. That community is wonderful. And there are so many nice people. Um, I forgot his name, but somebody came up to me day two and, uh, just told us how much he liked the cast. And it was like really nice to meet him. And that whole encounter was, was just great. And then he went undefeated in Swiss and it was his birthday. So that dude was just having a great day. Oh, awesome. And, uh, anyway, it just goes on and on, but we, we had a blast, um, you know, hanging out with everybody, shooting the shit. Hell yeah. Okay, before we get into the tournament stuff, I believe, Isaac, you have uh, procured some listener mail and have a question. Sure, we don't we don't want to we don't have any like teaser news for our little uh, our giveaway. Oh right, I totally you forgot wanna... about that. Um, okay. so, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of that before when you moved into the like Fabrica uh, Ukraine news, and I was like, whoa, dang, there was something I wanted. Oh yeah, anyway. that'll derail you. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, we are working with LSS to do a giveaway upcoming. Uh, details coming soon, but know that uh, it's a pretty excellent prizes we will be giving away um, for the upcoming uh, calling season. So be prepared for that and make sure you're subscribed and all that stuff so you don't miss out on the details of how we're going to um, distribute those things or how you got to enter into the sweepstakes. And that's totally sort of those, those deets could be anywhere. You got to like subscribe, comment, Patreon, like everything we got. Totally. So you don't miss out. Yep. Just bathe yourself in attack action podcast, social media. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listener mail. Yep. Let's do it. Um, so we had a listener mail um, from, Ice in My Veins Gaming, which is a pretty cool name. <laughs> and they said, my girlfriend decided to play Ice Lexi recently because she wanted a good deck in this meta that was aggressive but could pressure in different ways. So what would be your advice for someone who wants to master that deck? So no problem here. Okay, so first off, make Taylor your best friend. Second off, <laughs> Spend years playing Azalea and <laughs> getting beat up by Taylor to then eventually edge out some wins and make Taylor super annoyed by losing to Azalea. <laughs> then wait around for Lexi, the superior ranger, to be released. Use all of said background to just pilot Lexi to uh, near victory. Is that about right? Got it. Yeah. So you should probably get started on your years of Azalea practice now so that. Uh... Yeah, yes. you got it. You have to go through the hard trials that every yeah. Ranger player has. The gauntlet. I tell you, Lexi feels very powerful and easy in contrast. So. Um, um, so in all seriousness, uh, unfortunately, this isn't a very like. Some decks, right, you you know, like Lightning Briar, you're kind of just doing your thing, or Fatigue Old Him, right? You're you're kind of just doing executing your game plan. And uh, as you play matchups more, obviously you'll get better at them and the sideboarding and the, the nuances of that match. But um, Lexi is more about not so much just executing your game plan, but evaluating every single turn in your opponent's game plan and deciding how to best manage the tempo of that. So it's a deck that rewards you for reps, really, and reps for each particular matchup. Um, and I know that's not a very easy answer. I'm actually going to be writing a Lexi 101 coming up in the Wraith Times where I'll try to like delve into you know, managing Lexi's different mechanics and all that, but... It's just, I don't know. I don't know how to have a better answer. It's like really, it's just like tempo management, right? Um, you know, if you're in a, a aggro or tempo matchup, you, so you play out an arrow and then you weigh how your opponent responds, right? If they 
don't block and then pitch a blue for the hit effect and have two floating or if they do block with two cards and they only have two left and none in arsenal then you're going to have to shift your game plan basically just based on every single play um because you can do kind of unique things with lexi and that you can uh play an arrow fuse within winter's bite and then you can choose to play that winter's bite and then set up a six card hand or you could then choose to play another pumped arrow and arsenal the winter's bite and it's just an ever-evolving um you know ever-evolving game plan i guess um if your opponent switches to fatigue and just starts blocking you out then you you know make use of your your bigger turns you play a channel on an off turn and then set up a six card hand to go three wide you prioritize arsenaling arrows maybe um you know it's it's really uh it's just a hard question because it's not so much about like by comparison i i also have an aggressive lexi list and you're just like you're just playing your cards they play a cnc or they like make you do something then you just decide and do it but otherwise you're just playing your game but ice lexi unfortunately is it's a really fun and rewarding deck to play and it makes your opponents really suffer and have to think a lot which is like pretty entertaining on your end (laughs) but it's uh it's quite it's like kind of exhausting and kind of taxing and as you get more familiar with it you'll be able to just kind of move through it uh more easily and you know not have to like sit and grind your brain for every decision but it's um you know it's definitely like a a medium or so difficulty deck not not one to just net deck and pick up because the you know uh I mean, you can just play out your cards, but your wins come from managing, like managing the game state and managing the overall game, not just like, oh, I drew this hand, so I'll play it out. Because the the damage ceiling on that deck is quite low, so you uh, definitely need to, um, you know, be very cognizant of what you're doing. Uh, two last things, and then we'll move on. Um. <laughs> A lot of times you'll go down on life working through your opponent's armor, which is like a bit scary. But once you've worked through their armor, um, your life becomes a lot easier. So you're technically winning the game if they have no armor left and you're at, you know, 14 and they're at like 26. um, Because you still have enough life to pivot and they uh, don't have any way to block you out. Frostbites make defense reactions cost an extra resource to play. So um, that's quite powerful. And the Amulet of Ice is so good. Definitely in certain matchups, prioritize getting that out because then you it floats there and your opponent always has to consider it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a better winter's bite mm-hmm. at any time at instant mm-hmm. speed. So depending on how they're playing mid-chain at the end of their chain, if you have kind of a a lesser turn and it looks like they can you know um be able to power through and seize the game if you have two of them out it strips two cards um no matter what it's just like an extraordinarily powerful tool and it's a blue which is uh very good so anyway that's my little ice lexi rant sorry i'm i'm sorry we talked about lexi so much but uh 
You can look for my article. I'm going to try to make a video on ratios coming up on our channel soon. Um, so very complex topic. Get your reps in. Sorry, there's no easy answer. Practice. Oh, I, sorry. I, I just woke up from my long nap after <laughs> uh, what seemed like eternity there. Um, I'm sorry you're so bored. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's good. I like it when you go down the rabbit hole. I'm always like, wow. You know? Totally. Well, it's like if somebody asked you, uh, so how do I win every matchup with Viscerai? You know? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You get lucky. Um, okay. Uh, shall we move into the main topic for today? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, sweet. So we, me, Isaac, uh, Johnny Blue Razor, Canadian national champ Yuki, we all met up in Portland for a pro quest at Discs and Dice, aka Fab Foundry. Um, and what an amazing store. So it's actually in Troutdale, which is a cute little town, but, um, Great store, brand new. We're going to have the owner, uh, Travis, a.k.a. on it, uh, on the podcast uh, as soon as possible so he can tell you his uh, incredible story from creating all of this during uh, the pandemic and now has a real brick-and-mortar store and basically hosted the Calling Portland um, this weekend. You know, so it was pretty awesome. So there was actually a primer event on Friday um, and I had hit some traffic on my drive up. So I showed up five minutes before it started after driving uh, seven and a half hours, just got out, grabbed my deck and started playing. And uh, in my first match, I was like, oh, God, I'm my brain is just like not working. So, um, but it was great to play four rounds of Swiss and then feel like a little bit more warmed up for the weekend. Yeah, totally. Uh, I played Kano that evening, um, because we, well, I'm not very close to our local armory. We don't have a lot of events. So like a situation where I get to just like play a few games for fun is a Mm -hmm. great opportunity. And I don't know if Kano's there, but that deck's extremely powerful now. Um, yeah, you did uh, You did some kind of crazy deja vu combo uh, when we played on yeah. Friday. And I was like, oh my God, this is <laughs> here comes ba- like 28 damage, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's, Which was uh, crazy. That- that uh that deck's going to be fun to explore um and every so everything about this event just i mean we already knew how passionate on it was about this game but everything about this event just like you know reinforced and seeing him in person run the pre-event the event itself the after party the extra decorations that like everything about it was just like you know, he uh, he really loves what he does and love putting this on and just, you know, they had a hitch free stream of the event the whole time. It was like it was insane. It was really, really great. So great job on it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's 
probably the second most talked about topic for us on the weekend. You know, first obviously was our <laughs> gameplay and the meta, but then the second thing was just like, this is really going above and beyond what a pro quest should be. And is like, uh, the best event any of us had been to ever, you know? Um, and it's for just like a bunch of reasons. So they, wound up renting the empty shop space right next to their um, their store. And then they decorated the whole inside of the shop as you if you were like inside the big tent at Everfest. So it looks like the inside of a tent and there's like a red carpet and um, all the tables were nicely spaced out and every player had like plenty of room and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, uh, shout out to Red Zone Rogue was just hanging out. He's probably going to have like a, a vlog coming out soon about that. So it was nice to meet him in person as well. Um, and then before the event started, they had like, uh, they had cosplayers like on its brother was dressed up as Bravo star of the show, um, from he was dressed as Bravo at, uh, whatever it was, the Vegas calling. And then they had uh, other friends of his dressed up as bingo and the, uh, you know, the fire breathing, fire breathing cosplay. Yeah. And, and it was awesome. They had like little music and they were dancing around and, you know, talking with the crowd and stuff. And it's just like, wow, all of this for a pro quest. This is amazing. Yeah. They had little, uh, color coordinated to the theme paracord bracelets that oh, they gave yeah. out to every every attendee that I yeah. think on its mob made and they were all like unique and very beautiful. Yeah. So we all got one and wore one all day like everybody at the event. That was like one of my favorite things is just like seeing everybody wearing those bracelets and you know, it it felt like we were just I don't know, all a part of something at, at a festival. <laughs> yeah. At a cool little club. It was, it was great. Yeah. 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 And then they streamed the event too. So you can go check that out on the fab foundry YouTube page. So right. it was like, we all probably of... go ahead, put that link in the show notes. Cause it's still up. It's still available to watch. Yeah. If you want to watch, uh, totally. um, I played a game on stream actually. And then, uh, Yuki plays the final on stream. Um, yeah, it's a really she, good uh yeah. Um Viserai versus Starvo semifinals on stream. Oh yeah. I mean it's like some good play. Yeah. Totally. Um Yeah, so just all, you know, all of these things are happening before the tournament even starts. And uh shout out to the head judge. He had a uh great loud voice and was really on it, um, getting the rounds moving along and that sort of thing. Like the, the, the tournament went so well that they had a planned like half hour lunch after round four. And it did not feel like it added, uh, a super long time to the day or the event at all. You know, that's how smoothly rounds, uh, finished and got paired. And then it allowed us to have a little break, which is super great. Cause, um, you know, these, these things are long, especially if you make top eight. So getting a tiny break is really good. 
Yeah, I I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is to run one of these things like hurting a bunch of cats, but Mm -hmm. just having on it actually pull it off and start every round on time and having a lunch break is so much better than having a undetermined six to, you know, 17 minutes in between each round and you Mm -hmm. don't know how long the break will be. Yeah. You know, and then having it run late and all that. So um, this was this was great. Went and got lunch. Yeah, excellent. And the new uh, 55 minute rule, I think that's now in tournaments, uh, uh, is much appreciated. I really like that, having 55 minutes to sideboard and uh, that sort of thing, pregame prep, uh, just made it feel less, you just feel less anxious going into the round. I mean, that's how it always should have been. It's just like... Because some earlier events I went to is like they'd announce it and then it would start ticking down from 50 like as you were sitting down and you're like, yeah, what? I thought, you know, yeah, just because they're trying to like move the event along, which I don't blame them, but it was really weird. This uh, 55 is definitely the way to go because then you actually get a 50 minute round. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so do you want to talk about some of our highlights from the event um, in some, some particulars. Um, Yeah, sure. So uh, Yuki was on prism and decided that about five minutes before the event started, (laughs) (laughs) Mitch was on Katsu. Um, I was on ice Lexi and Taylor was on Viserai. Yep. Um, So, from my end, I was definitely worried about prisms and uh, I'd heard whisperings of fatigue starvos out there, which is kind of like old him, which is a nightmare. But um, I just I was going to play two events this weekend. So I just wanted to, you know, bring this deck and like see how it played into the field and then I can adapt afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up beating a prism round one and then I played Taylor round two. <laughs> yeah in what a grinder <laughs> of a game i mean it went down to the last uh little bit there and i had to pee so bad the whole time it was just it was really really tough yeah it's like you said you drive like eight hours to then play your best friend which you know <laughs> happens sometimes but it's just like <laughs> it's totally. 52 person events seems to happen to us quite a lot like Last time I was in Portland, I played Thomas round one. Yeah. You know, there's, there's four of us at this one, so the odds go up for sure. But, you know, still. Yeah, I mean, totally. It was a great game and uh, propelled you into uh, almost a top eight finish. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking one for, for the teammate. Totally, you know. And for all of y'all who are like, eh, Icelexi is not that bad against Viserai. Y'all are wrong, okay? Whatever Icelexies y'all been playing are not Isaac, okay? And it's really hard to beat Isaac when he's on Icelexi, so. Thanks. Um, yeah, I actually, I guess that's a takeaway. I feel like actually probably the Viserai-Icelexi matchup is like a an even match. Like Icelexi is actually a decent choice into Viserai. But unfortunately, um, you know, as like Prism comes out, it becomes a, a tougher medical, but 
it was like one one of the decks that you know you can say like oh i i do have a pretty good match into into viscerai so yeah i don't know if your local card shop is just an army of viscerais that's that's not not a poor choice there it feels hard on both ends i think so definitely still have to play well but yeah 100 percent. it's just uh really disruptive uh Quick note here on our ProQuest meta. We had uh, 58 total players. Um, The three most represented decks were in order, Starvo, Viscerai, and then Prism. But they're all within just like a couple of one another. Um, And then, you know, some other middling, middling stuff around there. But those were the three most heavily represented decks for sure. So unsurprisingly, just, yeah, unsurprisingly for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, for me on the day I went four and two and my two losses were one was to Isaac and then the other one was to runner up Dexter, um, in the mirror. And that was like still a very good and close game. And, uh, Dexter came, came prepared. He came to play baby. Um, and uh yeah really good player and he did really good through top eight and stuff and you know we were in a dicey point and i think i think we played round five you know and both of us really needed to win to have any hope at top eighting so so he got me but uh you know we'll see you next time dexter yeah see, see you next time um i had a really great game also i think round four against justin salomon um and he was on prism and it was it was uh, a super 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 close game uh and just prism is like pretty wild to play against now you know because there's like you know kind of this point where they have a board state that you like can no longer kind of manage but if their health total is low enough you can pressure them instead you know to kind of like mitigate the million aura swings or whatever and so that's kind of what that game turned out to be is that like you know i had to keep pressuring justin so he could not you know improve his board state or swing back more damage than i could handle at me you know in all of these things. And it was, it was really, really close and was, I think maybe my, the, my favorite game of the weekend for sure. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Double haze bending is insane. You're just like, (laughs) well, now what do I do? You know? (laughs) Yeah. You got to get rid of those. That's pretty, pretty rough or at least early. Um, I know Prism's really tough to play against now because it's like it just feels like if you make one mistake or like draw really bad once, then they just get incrementally ahead and there's like no coming back. Um, and they they kind of just use their life as a resource to get their board state out because there's mm-hmm. there's like so many Prism games where they're on you know eight health and you're on twenty four, but they're winning the game by a mile and there's no way you're going to win now. Yeah. Know? Next time, next time you look at the score <laughs> of that game, it's like seven to 10, all of a sudden, yeah, you know, yeah. and you're like, what has happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I had two. So my two losses came to kind of my fears. I went one and one against Prism on the day. And it's just kind of like if I come out pretty hot um, and I can go first really helps, then that game's actually pretty manageable. Um, You know, I can kind of like arsenal a free arrow to then pop an aura at the end and like pressure him before that. But it's hard for ice to go super wide. And um, anyway, I beat a prism round one and then I lost one round five and my loss was not even close. It was like, he went first. I had a all non-attack five card hand turn two or three or something. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, not close at all. That was a, (laughs) that was a tough game. Um, I also lost to a Starvo who flexed fatigue, um, which again, I think in the mirror or just if like, I think this player just preferred the deck that way or against Lexi, you know, if they, if they side fatigue, they have the, the shield and the crown and that whole powerful situation there. And that's a, that's a pretty tough, tough game to win, especially since uh, boarding for aggro Starvo requires you to have like pretty dominant control of every turn so then uh you know i didn't even bring in rain razors or anything i just like was set for tempo and he uh, fatigued me pretty pretty easily Mm. Um, so i also went four and two on the day with my losses coming round four and six Mm. tough Uh yeah you wound up uh on that sixth round that was your winning in and you needed to win that to get top eight you know i ended up getting ninth um which is okay though going four and two i like didn't really feel like i should make top eight and i uh i also like didn't necessarily want to because the fatigue starvo was up there there was a couple prisms in there you know it's just like like ugh, i'm just gonna get in there and then like lose again <laughs> yeah totally um, i mean it, the, the viscerize are fine or i can kind of high roll the prisms but it's just like it was it was not uh it's not like if i snuck in then i could pull it out and learn from my <laughs> mistakes it was like a pretty tough field yeah i think the top eight at uh at the event was two prisms two viscerize, and four starvos i think mm. um so, which is fine, you know, which is the representation of like the decks we saw at the event. So, um, you know, makes yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, if you want to kind of talk a little meta now again, um, or if there's anything else about the event in Swiss you wanted to, you know, nope. talk about. No. Nope. Sounds cool. good. Yeah. Okay. So this is my takeaway from the weekend. As a person who uh, is still uh, very much in uh, playoff basketball mode, uh, which I forgot to talk about at the beginning, um, we're in the state tournament now. Actually, we have our first round of state later today. So you're hoping for basketball updates. There it is. So we got to travel right after I get done recording this podcast. Hopefully we win. Anyway, as a person like hopping back, like I didn't play uh, week one, but was, you know, analyzing the meta and stuff and then hopping in into week two for the meta. I was pretty surprised at how quickly already 
things had evolved and changed, right? Like the Starvo deck lists are a little different. Um, we see a big uptick in the numbers across the board um, for um, Prism, right? So it goes from like, uh, it almost doubles in its numbers between week one and week two to kind of uh, combat Starvo and that sort of thing. And uh, Yeah, not, not just in this event, but in all events. Yeah, yep, totally. Yeah. So what I'm uh, trying to say here is, is for me, it looks like the two best decks, like the two S-tier decks are Prism and Viscerai. And then right below that is the the Starvo deck, which I still think can get targeted and maybe we'll get like pushed out a little bit more, but the, the new prism aura build with like, you know, running tunic in no tomes and, you know, almost half auras, um, is a, to me, uh, a real surprise that that is like a real viable strategy. Which just means I'm like, I don't play Prism, right? Yeah. I mean, it does have 27 cards that don't block. So uh, you would think that it would be a bit more fragile, but it is. Well, those, the blue ones block. The blue aura is blocked for two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Great. (laughs) (laughs) But, But, you know, it's it's a sick deck. It's like the coolest Prism build I've ever seen, you know? Um, which there haven't been that many. But yeah, to me, it's like Prism and Viscerai. And I'm unsure of which deck has the advantage in that matchup. You know, you talk to one person and they say, oh yeah, it's favored this way. You talk to another person that's favored this way. So it's uh, both are afraid of each other and whoever can kind of figure out whatever the sweet tech is for that other matchup uh, is is uh you know putting themselves at at quite an advantage that's kind of like the key right now i think definitely um one takeaway looking at the data from all events too one takeaway for me is also just the uh i mean starvo still has the most event win or the highest event win percentage and the highest top eight percentage Mm -hmm. um i think that will wane what's that it's well, it's also just like the most represented deck, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but also has the highest top eight yeah. win percentage as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that Will Wayne is more and more players adopt Prism and get better at Prism. But, you know, the Starvo deck is like fairly aggressive and fairly easy to play, but it's also fairly adaptable, you know, now that they're fatiguing Lexi or fatiguing the mirror, et cetera, et cetera. And it like adapting that deck kind of to me shows that, you know, it's not, it's not only a glass cannon. Like it has a bit more resiliency than I might've initially thought. Um, and can still, you know, very much win matches. Although I'll tell you, I like watching a couple of prism versus Starvo matches. It was like not good for the Starvo you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) like not like it wasn't gonna be you know they they just have no ability to apply a ton of pressure and pop an aura 
and yeah. like get ahead that way. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, you can cripple and crush one turn, but then the other two are, you're just not applying enough pressure. Um, well, and so. then it's like they can play their just aura at instant speed, right? Yeah. And then, so then it's just damage and they've improved their board state, you yeah. know? So yeah, it, it seems pretty tough. It seems pretty yeah. tough. And it's, you know, I really like it that these two decks are the top ones because they're both very difficult to play, you know, like playing Viscera is very hard. Playing Prism in this new aura build is very hard, you know, like you, you got to be practiced and you got to be on your game. Yeah. Sure. And it's not, it's not like it's clear cut. Like you said there, you're not shoot sure who has the advantage really. Yeah. It's not and a very clear cut match, which is yeah. cool. And that's the, one of the coolest things too, right? Is that if no deck has the advantage really, then it's all up to player skill. And that's a really nice spot to be in, you know, mm -hmm. that gets me hyped because week one, I was like, great. It's just Starvo and they can just like roll you off the table. Like not yeah. really that fun, but if we're going to have a lot of like you know, highly skilled matches in the meta now, then that's something I can for sure get behind. That is very exciting to me. And that's why I play this game is for the skill of it. Not the like, well, drew the nuts three turns in a row. I win. That's fun. Yeah. Like if there's like 20 Starvos, then one of them's going to like roll pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, totally. No, again, like every deck uh, can be played skillfully for sure. But um yeah it is it is nice to see like even if prism and viscerai are like very powerful and like you know oppressive to some decks it's just like at least they're um it takes skilled piloting to like mm -hmm. pull out these wins yeah yeah totally um so <clears throat> yeah what do you think is gonna happen kind of in week three and how do you th do you think there's like going to be a deck that kind of has a good matchup into both of these prism and viscera decks um i mean that's like the million dollar question right and something that i've been thinking about just from my like narrow little you know window of like ranger brute and uh kano <laughs> yeah. um but so one takeaway i have is uh you know, day two, well, we can talk about day two in a minute yeah. here, but uh, day two, a bunch of Rhinar showed up and I'm unsure if Rhinar is really the counter for Prism anymore. It, you know, it felt like a bunch of players maybe chose this deck to as a Prism counter and maybe it can still get there, but, you know, Prism doesn't really care about six attacks anymore. Yeah, yeah. it's nice to like pop their... Uh, pop their heralds i mean that's like convenient and better than not but it, that's not really their primary game plan and reinar is not a particularly go wide deck if you whiff on scab skins you know you really have no advantage in popping auras so um i guess that's one thing i've been thinking a lot about is like maybe this like reinar showing up for prism is not the way to go yeah yeah, definitely. Like just picking a hero with six attacks, multiples of them, is like not 
not the way to go. And then plus, like, even with your what you're like saying, well, they don't have cards that block, and then I can intimidate them. It's like the same thing when you try to cripple and crush them. They can just play out their cards that they wanted to anyway. You know, like yeah. sure they have to respond, you know, to barraging beatdown as the first thing with less information on what your turn is going to be. Um, but your ability to manage their board state as Reinar is like not as easy as it is. in maybe some other decks. So if they can like, you know, get two auras out, get three auras out, you're going to be starting to get pretty far behind and getting ground out. Yeah. There, so there is, you know, to like counter what I just said, um, you know, if you do intimidate them and they're, they don't want to instant speed play an aura, um, you could intimidate their defense reaction in hand and then just leave them with no blocks or they're like blue mm. auras or whatever. Um, so I think that that's definitely, you know, definitely an advantage in this matchup. I just don't quite know if it's enough. Um, it's a bit hard for Reinar to get go again, but you do have the club to pop auras at the end of your chain. Um, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see if any Reinars actually do show up. Uh, my other uh qualm about reinar or like hesitancy is just like the starvo matchup feels maybe pretty tough unless you just have a massive board of like club fatigue you know <laughs> yeah like 12 defense reactions or whatever right yeah um you know kind of my only initial idea uh you know cuz like it's like well you don't really need to target both of those decks, right? It would be a good spot to be in if you can find that deck. I would assume most people are just going to adopt Prism or Viscerai or just like, you know, continue to play Reinar. Um, I mean, uh, Starvo, excuse me. Hmm. But um, if somebody can come up with kind of like maybe a extremely aggro list, I think that would be pretty hard for both Prism and viscerai to deal with so maybe a like lightning lexi list gets there um maybe not uh but you know it runs into the same thing that like all rangers run into is you can get kind of screwed by inconsistency by not getting uh you know your arrows or too many arrows or you know that sort of thing you just like have a whole separate thing to manage but those decks are pretty uh, intense now, you know, like they're very cool. There was one Lightning Lexi floating around at uh, ProQuest, but he unfortunately got like a really uh, kind of short end of like the judge stick uh, on a deck check. He like, I think think the, the rumor was around the event that he had thrown his like sideboard cards in like uh, upside down so like they weren't facing all the same way of their other cards and that got counted as marked marked cards um and so we got a game loss or a match loss or whatever yeah that's pretty unfortunate so uh, yeah what happened is the judges uh tell you to present your deck as you would play it right so i think he threw his sideboard in and then had his deck there and uh, if you were actually going to cheat that way, that is, I guess, a feasible way to do it. 
but it's also just very easy to be like under pressure from the judges and yeah just throw your sideboard in and then be like okay this is my deck and like like i would not have thought of that and that could have happened to me totally so yeah. um that is kind of too bad yeah the there's a Voltaire free arrows rain razors uh three of a kind art of war lightning list that's uh quite good i think it won a pro quest week one um mm-hmm. you know that is uh you know, it's definitely fairly powerful. I was running a, a like a Death Dealer Lexi Lightning list day two, but I kind of ran into the uh, so I hadn't like extensively tested this and um, you know could maybe learn a bit better about this matchup. But I just I uh, I played a couple Viscerize instead of a couple Prisms, you know, which I was kind of hunting for. And it was just like, I was like, oh yeah, you do 30 damage to me turn two or three, which happened in each game respectively. And you have 10 armor and, you know, it's just like a, it's just better kind Mm -hmm. of, um, maybe not consistently every turn, but they can just like block and then 32 damage the next turn. And it was just like, um, just a little bit discouraging that I was like, oh yeah, your red line aggro deck just has like quite a lot more armor and uh is a bit more explosive or maybe not more explosive but um they came down to very close games but you know it was clear as like oh this this deck i in theory performs pretty well against prism but is you know maybe at a bit of a disadvantage or maybe even with viscerai so it's just not like the meta pick you know you could find that uh viscerai could could counter a a Lexi, like a lightning Lexi list, um, fairly consistency or consistently, yeah. but we'll see. Um, maybe the lightning list, uh, can find a little edge up there. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm unsure on how to tackle those, both of those decks with one deck. Um, but a couple of things to riff off of, <clears throat> excuse me, what you said, um, day two, you mean that there was another event at another Portland game store on Sunday. So there was another pro quest at uh, fable hobby. So it was like kind of like the uh, Portland calling this weekend. So you could play on like a Friday <laughs> event, a Saturday event and a Sunday event, you know? So it was uh, well done by those store owners to make such a big weekend um, out of it. Uh, yeah. Which is the reason we travel. Yeah. Yep. Because it was worth yeah. it. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, second thing, uh, I would not classify the, uh, Viscerai deck as a red line aggro deck. Like you have over a third of your cards are blue and like, you're pretty willing to block a lot of times. I would probably call it more of like a, uh, you know, mid range aggro combo deck, you know, it's not really like super red line. Yeah. I guess red lines the wrong Red line is the wrong yeah. word because, well, so that, that was like a bit of my frustration is that it, it performs like a red line aggro yeah, deck, yeah. right? If you're doing 30 damage turn two, but then it's actually not that fragile. It has like quite a lot of armor, you know, more high, like cards that block for three than like, just like for the damage output or when it flexes, aggressively it's not fragile like uh 
lightning lexi or katsu or prism or you know right. um so that, that that's what i meant um so when you when you run up against it with another aggro deck you're like oh this is just i'm just like a glass cannon and you're uh actually quite resilient <laughs> you know yeah to- totally totally <laughs> um, so yeah yeah not red line do have blues but yeah i just wanted to make that distinction for uh everybody who's gonna slide into your personal messages on twitter and get mad at you so um fair enough uh yeah okay so uh what's next there uh your Um, your highness i'll just uh haven't inherited the kingdom yet still Still the prince (laughs) still gotta win something here um so I'll just talk about day two. Taylor had to go home to uh, do work and basketball work and mm-hmm. things like that, um, unfortunately. But it was a blast having you there, Taylor, and uh, oh. having our little group get together in person and play and hang out and eat burgers and cheer on you yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> totally. Uh, so a few things about day two. Uh, it was also a really great event um, put on by Fable Hobby. Uh I think it had, it had almost, it might have, I don't know, 59, 60 players, something like that. Uh, Yuki and I actually took, it's not the same list, but it's a, it's a similar idea. Um, kind of a lightning Lexi trying to, you know, better counter fatigue Starvo or old him or prism, especially. Uh, but out of all those people, we drew each other round one. So that was, uh, kind of a bummer. Um, pretty fun game probably lasted like, you know, nine minutes and, uh, <laughs> then it was over. Uh, after that, like I said, I, I just played a couple like very skilled players on Viscerai and, uh, barely lost both of them. Um, like I said, maybe, maybe there's a way for me to get there with that list, but, uh, I'll have to adapt it a little bit. So then I, I ended up three and three on the day, which was, you know, pretty disappointing but again i it's like i could have won either of those matches and or both or what you know won the first one and then uh maybe moved up to the higher tables and face more prisms Mm -hmm. or or whatever uh so i still felt like it you know it was a decent idea just maybe didn't quite go my way uh Yuki did pretty well on it. She lost to me in round one and then got reckless swung by a like fatigue or control club Levia in round five. I think didn't that she also got a CNC pummeled that game. So didn't that Levia top eight that event too? Um, I'm not sure actually. Uh, Yuki had to get dinner and drive home and, you know, we didn't stay till 10 at night or whatever. I went and hung out with a friend of mine in Portland and stuff. So I'm, I'm unsure, but if it won round five there, it probably did. Hell yeah. Let's see. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, oh, maybe not. Maybe it didn't top eight. I thought it did. Hmm. Never mind. Uh, yeah, it might have had a win in, in round six or something. A Reinar top eighted, though, at that event. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Reinar is the prism answer still. I mean... Uh, it did not. It was mostly viscerized. There were four viscerized in that top eight: one Bravo, two Prisms, 
and one Reinar. And Viscerai wound up nice. winning it in the mirror. Nice. Um, so that event, I mean, it, the representation was pretty similar to uh, the event we were in, plus you know, a number more brutes, I think was basically the one change. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Benji running around and act- at 17 health, you heard me right. <laughs> and actually like got a win or two. I saw a game where he got a earth briar down to one life before losing, uh, which is like maybe pretty disgusting. <laughs> totally. I know we keep, if Benji can compete we keep calling for like, uh, Hey, let's, uh, get adult heroes, uh, you know, yeah. or whatever of these crucible young heroes. Uh, maybe not though. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's well, fine. Especially not Benji. I yeah, think <laughs> maybe it's fine. They're fine. Um, yeah. Leave them down there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, one thing I did want to say as like we kind of wrap up about the events and stuff, you know, like uh, another big takeaway for me was, you know, the yeah, the games were great and fun and it's, you know, flesh and blood so great to play. Um, but the best parts, I think, are the people you meet and the friendship you get to make, like going with you guys and getting to talk in the hotel and having breakfast together in the after party on Saturday, you know, where we had just spent, you know, all day talking flesh and blood and we decided to go like get some brews, you know, across town with everybody else who was at the party and, uh, or at the event and just hang out and play or not play games, but drink and talk about the event is like kind of, more fun than the actual event itself, you know, the shared camaraderie and that sort of thing. So um, it's just good to remember those things that it's the, the stuff in between games that is like just as good. And that's kind of an incredible um, thing to have just in the world period, you know, to have such great human interactions that they like, you know, rival one of your favorite activities. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. The, um, yeah, I, I enjoy everything outside of playing the games almost more Mm -hmm. than the games themselves. I mean, I really enjoy playing the games, but it's just, yeah, it's a great weekend because of, the whole package for sure yeah like if it was just stone cold no hanging out no chit chat no nothing else except the competitive tournament i would not be as into it yeah i mean for me i can get behind that type of crap but uh <laughs> you know the the friendship afterwards is uh what makes it one of the things i want to continue to do with my life you know and start a podcast and all of that oh, stuff. yeah so yeah and thanks again to everybody who said hi or chatted or was just like so so cool. totally yeah really great it's like one of the best things to hear from from y'all in person or on the internet it uh means a lot it's so hard to like explain how much that means when uh you know 
perhaps you also don't make content on the internet. It seems like a pretty like regular thing to do, but it really does mean a lot to every content creator, big or small, when you reach out to them. So just keep that in mind. If you're listening to somebody's mm-hmm. stuff or and you haven't like left them a comment saying like, hey, been listening forever, you're doing a great job, you know, think about doing that. It really makes their day for sure. Yeah. And then with that, let's move into our signature segments. But let me guess, you have more to talk um, about before we get there. Well, yeah, but you always just move in without uh, asking me. Well, I did it this time as a joke. <laughs> That's why I always have something else to say. <laughs> I, I knew we weren't done. No way. We're doing we're doing hot meta takes. Do you have any hot takes? Uh, no, I don't. I think I've been pretty clear about them uh, leading up to this. Okay. Well, then I'll just go. Yeah. I have a couple Good, hot yeah. takes. Uh, first hot take. Amulet of Warfare is absolutely... Fucked up, disgusting, ban that card. <laughs> That's my first take. Um, I'm serious. <laughs> and uh, my other hot take is uh, the Talisman of Ironhide, I think is actually extremely good mm. in like old him or something. Uh, simply because you can, if you're in a tight spot, you can pitch it to, you know, crown and shield and ironhide legs or whatever or you could arsenal it and cycle it away it's like not actually you know you actually it's not like you have a card that doesn't block Mm -hmm. um or ideally you can play it out and then you can just block for like 20 in a turn instead of 14 Mm -hmm. i'm very glad that prism's around to police old times so that does not happen (laughs) um but seriously i i really um uh well I can't regret it because they did it but I really lament the uh the invention of talisman of warfare I hope that uh I don't know that card goes away okay what else you got that was it um that's about it okay great I already talked about my other hot takes sweet <laughs> can uh can we move on to signature segments now are you prepared uh yeah totally okay here we go signature segments uh i think uh we're gonna start off with pick pass prey here so isaac it's a draft scenario i'm gonna give you three cards you're going to tell me which one you're gonna pick pass and pray comes back around are you ready i am okay first up is honing hood ranger equipment head defends for zero it has an instant ability Destroy Honing Hood, return all cards in your arsenal to your hand. Then put a card from your hand face down into your arsenal. Okay. Uh, Second card is Thump. It's a red, costs four, pitches for one, defense for three, attacks for six, and is a guardian attack action. It reads, while Thump's attack is greater than its base attack it has dominate and if this hits a hero they discard a card all right third and final card lightning press red pitches for one costs zero has no defense and is a lightning instant and it reads 
Target attack action cards with cost one or less gain plus three. Back in my day, folks, folk used weapons made of metal. Lishu, Crimson Haze, Vigilante. Okay, Isaac, which one are you going to pick, pass, and pray comes back around? I'm going to pick Lightning Press Red, mm. and I'm going to pray Honing Hood comes back around. Mm. Uh, my reasoning is Lightning Press Red is uh, quite powerful in this fast format to push damage. It also fuses. Um, it's good in Lexi or Briar. Um, it's also a rare and, you know, can close out games, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Honing Hood is actually like pretty key in Lexi because one turn per game you can arsenal anything like an extra error you have or whatever and then you know Honing Hood in your ice or lightning card and then Lexi it and still get the benefit it's a it's actually a really powerful piece of equipment it just requires you to be in Lexi which is like kind of a dangerous pick early right like if you're in Lexi, you want to be one of the only one or two Lexis and have quite a powerful deck. So I would not pick that pack one, pick one, even though some equipment you would want to pick pack one, pick one. Thump is also a very powerful card, but in my opinion, only if you have Cracker Jacks. There are other ways to buff it to get the effect, but the card in of itself costs four, so it's fairly expensive. Um there's scenarios where you can pair it with an earth lore surge or whatever, but uh, it's just kind of expensive to play out and like and way weaker without Cracker Jacks. It's also a common, so if you end up getting a Cracker Jacks, odds are you can pick up a thump later. All very good points. All super good points. Um, I think, ah, gosh, I don't really know where I want to go. I think I probably just agree with you also. And, but I could be in a scenario where I would pick up Honing Hood over Lightning Press. Um, nice. Just because there's, I don't think that's what I'm going with, but there's just a scenario where there's just not another great option in that equipment slot. And it is not likely you will see uh, that card again, albeit like, not integral to the most powerful Lexi deck, but it certainly does not hurt to have that. But the fact that you are passing the lightning press to your opponents um, would make it hard to then like continue to draft Lexi because you're kind of showing that lightning is open. So I'm going to pick lightning press also. Pray Honing Hood comes back around. And then pass on Thump. Because there's probably like a better... I mean, there 100% is a better uh, Guardian card to pick pack one, pick one, you know, than Red Thump. Um, even though for it sure. blocks for three, but it's still a red that is like very specific, you know. Nice. I also feel like uh, Honing Hood being passed is like a good wheel because odds are it won't make it to you. But if it does, um, nobody's jumped into Lexi early. You can almost guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
And plus, you're really looking for Mark of Lightning anyway in Lexi. That's kind of like what you really want. Yeah. You know, so, which I know is an arms. Okay. I know it is. Don't be yelling at me. Um, yeah. Because you definitely want a honing hood over a ragamuffin's hat any day of the week. <laughs> totally. <Yeah. laughs> That's your only other option in that deck, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, Isaac, do you have a riddle me this or are we moving on right into game from the closet? I don't have a riddle me this. Then it's your uh, game from the closet, my friend. So here at the Attack Action Podcast, we love many different board games, not just flesh and blood. And I would like to share one of the board games I love with you guys today. And hopefully you will enjoy it as well. Today's board game from the closet is my pick, and I'm going to choose um, X. What? God, I can't remember what it's called. X Wing. Yep. Yep. Right? Um, sorry, this is a board game that Mitch owns all of the miniatures for, so I was not uh, entirely sure on the name. But it's a really, really enjoyable miniatures game that you can have quite a lot of fun with, with just like a limited number of miniatures. You know, um, we played the other day, the three of us, I've played just with Mitch, just the two of us, and you can get really into it and have a bunch of ship upgrades and a whole bunch of ships, but you can also just have a blast with a small squadron each. And, you know, as with a number of miniatures games, kind of the enjoyment comes from, um, the movement and trying to outwit your opponent. Right. I'm not sure if every game works like this, but you all pre-program the movement on all of your ships and um, then reveal them simultaneously. So each of your squadrons performs its maneuvers and hopefully you outwitted your opponent and you're shooting them in the butt <laughs> and they're unable to shoot you. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> it's like it's like a low investment um, or an easy to get into and very fun game. I'm sure there's like YouTube videos on it if you want to just check out how the mechanics work and uh, you know, how fun it is. You also, you get a number of points as with, you know, miniatures games to load out your squadron. So there's a, of course, a deck building or whatever um, aspect to it, but it's, uh, it's quite as somebody who's not really that into miniatures, it's quite enjoyable. Yeah. It, it lowers the barrier of entry because they're all pre-painted pre-assembled. So there, you don't have to do anything except for, open them up and learn how to play the game and start playing with them. So it lowers that barrier of entry quite a bit. Um, yeah. And it's really fun. It does exactly what it set out to do is like you're in a dog fight in space, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it has the potential to have really exciting moments where you perform your maneuver in your opponent is like, oh, I totally forgot that that was an option, you know? So uh, <laughs> yep. it, it it tells a good story too, which is like the hallmark of a good uh, board game is that you're getting the full experience out of it, so. Yeah, definitely. You can perform like crazy, like speed forward and about face maneuvers but you kind of like break your engines doing it because it's like too many g's or you know whatever i guess not but anyway um 
it is pretty fun. I also like the fact that you don't have to paint them because I think my the ideal Isaac really loves to like paint miniatures in my Zen garden and I'm very like, you know, just in the moment. But in reality, I like don't make time for that kind of thing. And there's like too many other things. So uh, I just never, never get there as far as painting miniatures. Totally. It is pretty fun. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, that is our show. Uh, again, a uh, huge shout out to the whole Portland crew and Meta and everybody in the the Portland area. Y- y'alls are great. Um, if any of these stores we mentioned today put on any sort of event um, and you have the time to go there, I recommend going there. They've set the bar very high and it's unprecedented and you will have just a wonderful, wonderful time. And, you know, Portland is a great city. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a win-win scenario. Yeah. Their game stores are really next level. Totally. Uh, did you have a favorite play of the weekend you want to end on? A favorite play? Uh, I would probably have two. So one, I had um, some rune chance up and I wound up with a rattle bones in arsenal, rattle bones in hand and a rune flash. And then the little amount of resources you need to make that happen. Uh, oh, and a Mordred tide. That's what made it all happen. So, So I play the, I basically play rattle bones, play rune flash and then rattle bones. uh, Or I, what did I do? It was something where I played double swarming. uh, No, I think I did Mordred tide rune flash rattle bones, the rune flash rattle bones, the rune flash again. I think I had to break Skeleta in there somewhere <laughs> and then came in with Rosetta. Um, that was pretty sick and gross. Um, and then in my game against uh, Justin, uh, I had kind of sequenced my turn. I had a Sonata in hand and um, instead of playing it first to like have all of my options for the turn, I used it as like the last card in hand to either get one more resource or get a free attack. Because uh, by playing the Sonata, it made my third rune chant. So I either needed just any resource to swing Rosetta for four and three to close out the game or get a Amplify or a Rune Flash or something like that to push a little bit more damage and that sort of thing and it worked out i grabbed an amplify yoloed an amplify right off the top and uh that's all she wrote so there's like kind of a more complicated you know lead up into that play but it was uh you know it's just like rune blade complicated and makes you feel good playing it yeah totally totally so so yeah I actually did not even get to play, I think, one Revel in Runeblood. It just, like, never, you know, I never got to do, play that card for whatever reason. All tournament. Well, you will in the future. Totally. 
Uh, how about you? All right. Uh, I had one, but now I'm going to, I'm going to do two. So the first one is, uh, I went first and then, so my, my second turn, Mm -hmm. like turn two or whatever, Mm -hmm. I came in for 14 dominate three, uh, frostbites on hit (laughs) for a total of four that turn and arsenal the card, (laughs) which was dope. (laughs) Gross. And then the following day on lightning, I had one play where I, I like attacked with something. This wasn't the first play. Then I weave lightning, light it up, fuse with lightning press, which is like my favorite gross play. Cause you're coming in for seven threatening 10 with the lightning press, but that'll go to 14 and shut down their equipment. So then they have to over block it accounting for the lightning press and then uh then you just don't play the lightning press and then i played a snatch and lightning press that afterwards (laughs) (laughs) which is just it's like so bad because they're in a lose-lose situation right like like well i don't want to take like you know uh 14 here from this one attack Mm -hmm. but you know there's like no it's just funny to fuse light it up with lightning press Totally. Yeah. That's why it was our our uh, first pick in Pick Pass Prey. Oh, totally. Yeah. Good, all good right. card. That's all. Cool. Uh, great job. And we will see everybody a little bit later in March. Probably, I don't know, unless something insane happens week three, we'll probably see you at the end of ProQuest and uh, kind of talk about the meta as a wrap-up as we move into the next phases of the Flesh and Blood competitive season. So thanks for listening, and goodbye. Good luck in your pro quests, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at The Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at BattleBroTaylor and at BattleBroIsaac. Shoot us an email the attack action podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like, and subscribe shop for singles using our affiliate link or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.